Good morning, friends. We've been gone for a couple of weeks, and it feels good to be back home with you. While I was gone, I learned something. Worship is a royal waste of time. Pastor Dave and I hear that all the time, where people come to us and say, you know, I'm so busy all week long, Sunday's my only day to get the chores done at home. I'm so busy all week long that Sunday is my only day to set aside for family time. I'm so busy all week long that Sunday's my only day to sleep in. Sunday's my only day to do something for me. Now, most of you know that we're in the middle of a sermon series where we're going through the, the Ten Commandments, and today we're talking about what we as Lutherans number as the Third Commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. So what is this thing called Sabbath? In the Old Testament, the Jews called Sabbath the holy day. It was a day that was set aside for a day of rest. And this term holy day now has become holiday. Now, we as Americans, we're, we're pretty good at holidays, aren't we? I mean, just this last, last Tuesday, we had a holiday, Independence Day, the 4th of July. And my family and I, we were um, able to celebrate the 4th of July in the official 4th of July city of Nebraska, Seward, Nebraska. It was a great day, and they do things well there, I got to tell you. But let me tell you about our day. We woke up that morning, ate breakfast, loaded up coolers with drinks and snacks. We put the lawn chairs into the car and some blankets. We loaded up the cars with our whole family. We got a fuel at the gas station on our way, driving 35 miles from Lincoln to, to Seward. And immediately when we got to Seward, we were met with a traffic jam. Three stoplights in the whole town were stuck in a traffic jam. We pulled over, and we drivers let out our family members together with the coolers and the lawn chairs and the blankets and sent them on their way down to the town square while we walked or drove my, um, blocks trying to find parking places. We found them. We took the rest of the stuff and met them at the square. We spent the day going to the craft fairs and to the car show, uh, standing in line to get drinks and, and refreshments at the stands that were set up in the streets. We watched a parade, and when it was all done, we loaded everything back up, loaded it in the car, and drove to another town and had dinner. When we were done with that, we drove back to Lincoln, and when we got to Lincoln, we got out our own fireworks and spent two hours putting off fireworks. That's why we go to Nebraska for the 4th of July. <laughs> we quickly picked up all the debris, went back to my mother-in-law's place, and we all fell into bed exhausted. It was a wonderful holiday, but not much of a Sabbath, not a day of rest. The fact is, folks, we need rest. And God invites us to remember the Sabbath, to, to have a day of rest. But I got to tell you, if there was ever a country that needed to be reminded that we need rest, it's here, us, here in the United States, right? And I got to tell you, as, as I was going through all of this, to be honest with you, I realized as I was preparing for this sermon that I'm preaching this sermon to me first. 
Because those of you that don't know me, I'm a type A personality. And so is my wife. Both of us are, are driven people. We have 15 minutes of spare time and we look at each other and say, how can we fill it? We envy those of you that are type B personalities that work at your, or play at your work, right? We work at our play. In fact, I got to tell you, my, my motto in life is work hard so you can play hard. There was a time in my life when I, I looked at sleep as something that was totally overrated. We need rest. And here in the United States, we're driven. Now, I was studying a little bit about this. Why is it that we in the United States need to be reminded to rest? Well, three things kind of came up. There were more, but three I'd like to talk about today. The first one is job insecurity. It used to be that, you know, people would get out of high school or college, they go to work for a company, and they retire as employees of that same company, getting pins for 40 years of service or retiring or whatever it is, but not so much anymore. If a department or an individual or a company isn't profitable, it's dissolved, reduction in force, and people are sent on their way. And so consequently, employees are also not particularly loyal to the corporations either. And we also have the problem here where the, the disparity of, of income is so different. It used to be a CEO at the top of the company might make, I don't know, 10, 20 times as much as the people that were in the entry-level positions. And now sometimes that's 100 to 200 times different in our society. So those at the top are driven to keep their job, forced to spend hours at their work. And if they're not willing to do it, there's somebody right behind willing to do that work and spend those hours. And those at the bottom oftentimes have to carry on a second or maybe even a third job to make ends meet. The second thing is technology. Just a, show of quick, a quick show of hands. How many of you have one of these with you today? We can work anytime, any place, right? We've got our smartphones, we've got our laptops, we've got our, our tablets. We could take work with us on vacation, we could take it home. We could do it at midnight, we could do it in the middle of the day. We could work all the time. So the fact is, we as Americans work harder and we work longer than we ever have. And rest comes at a premium. But there's another reason that I'd like to, remind, to talk to you about. And this one, I think, is probably the most important. Here in America, we look to our work as a source of significance. Our work to us is what gives us meaning for our existence and why we are here. Social scientists tell us that in years past, in traditional societies all through history, that most of the time people found their significance and their meaning in life in relationships, and those relationships usually centered around their family. So what would happen is those that uh, we, the people would find their meaning and significance and reason and purpose for living in their role as a father or a mother or a husband or a wife or a brother or a sister or a son or a daughter or a grandma or grandpa, whatever it might be. And it was built around relationships. But this is the first society in the history of the world where we are told that your purpose is centered around your career. So we 
all are asked to select a path, a career path. And then we're supposed to work hard and strive to succeed, to be profitable, to be productive. And that is what gives us significance, not only in our own minds, but in the view of other people. And so we're driven, and we're in dire need of rest, but we're reluctant to do so. But we need rest. We need rest. Sleep specialists tell us that for every two hours we're awake, we need an hour worth of sleep. So we need eight hours of sleep in a day for our body to get sufficient rest. Now, there's something interesting about this. It's not just the quantity of sleep that's necessary, but the depth of the sleep that's important. We're told that um, it's important that we get into a very deep sleep. They call it REM or rapid eye movement kind of sleep. And you can't put together, you know, eight one-hour naps during the course of a day and get the appropriate amount of sleep. You need an eight-hour period of sleep in order to get into that depth of sleep. But if this sermon is all about sleep, then, you know, being here on Sunday morning and worshiping is really a royal waste of time, isn't it? Why don't we just all go home, take a nap, catch up on our sleep, and maybe take a long nap and get into that REM kind of sleep, right? I don't know if you noticed in our story that uh, we just read, Pastor Dave read, that Jesus is walking through a, a country called Samaria. It's a place where no respectable Jew would ever show up. And while he's walking through that town, he stops at uh, that's that uh, country, he stops at a well. And as a woman comes to draw water from the well, he says to her, uh, well, would you bring me a drink of water? Now, the woman kind of was set on her heels a little bit, thinking, <laughs> wait a second. You're a, a Jew, and Jews don't talk to Samaritans. Not only that, but you're, a, you're obviously a, a, a rabbi, and no respectable rabbi ever talks to a woman in public. So how is it that you, a Jewish rabbi, is talking to me, a Samaritan woman? Now, Jesus uses this question to start a conversation with her. And in the course of the conversation, he introduces himself as the living water and as the Messiah. And in the course of this conversation, the woman has an interesting question. She says to him, our fathers, the Samaritans, worshipped on this mountain, Mount Gerizim. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. In other words, we Samaritans believe that here, Mount Gerizim, is where we're supposed to worship. You Jews say over there on Mount Zion where Jerusalem is built, that's where we're supposed to worship. Which one is it? How do we worship? Where do we find God? And Jesus answers this way. He says, women, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship your Father. And then he goes on to say, but the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Those who worship him 
must worship in spirit and truth. Here Jesus is saying to that woman, I'm the Messiah. And you need rest. Not just for your bodies, but you need spiritual rest. You need rest for your souls. You need rest for your spirit. And that rest will only come if you are encountering the truth. You need rest, and I'm not talking about superficial rest. I'm talking about deep REM kind of spiritual rest. You need that. Every week you need, no, no, every day you need that. And I'm the Messiah. I'm your Savior. I'm your Lord. I'm the Lord of lords and the King of kings. I'm the God of gods. I'm the God that commanded you, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And now I'm saying to you, come to me, you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. Do you need rest? Folks, you need rest. And the King of Kings is inviting you into his presence to put aside the cares of this world, to forget about producing anything, to forget about making sure that your profit line is where it should be and that you're succeeding at what you're doing, to forget the fact that this world wants you to believe that your significance and your worth depends upon the grades that you earn at school or upon the work that you do or upon the salary that you make or the house you live in or the car you drive. He's telling you that he is the king, royalty, and he wants you to waste time in his presence not to think about producing or succeeding, but to understand that your significance is not dependent upon what you do or what I do or how well we do it or how successful we are. It's dependent upon what he has done for us. Worship is a royal waste of time as we spend time in the presence of our king and not worrying about producing. So what does this royal waste of time, this Sabbath living look like? Well, I'd like to share with you three uh, things that I think that might help us to begin living this Sabbath life. The first one is to make Sabbath a habit. To make it a regular part of our schedule to come into God's house week after week after week, week in and week out, to spend time with him. Folks, I want to tell you, and I want to talk to those of you that have young children. I remember what it was like. We had three children of our own. I remember what it was like to go to worship with little children. I remember walking out wondering if I just went to a worship service or a wrestling match. You know what I mean? And you notice that Satan works extra hard on the way to church on Sunday morning? 
The kids misbehave and whine and cry, and we lose our tempers more on Sunday morning than any other day of the week. You ever notice that? Why? Because Satan doesn't want us here. But let me tell you, by creating this habit here on Sunday morning is a lifelong blessing for those children and for us. To be here and to practice what it looks like to live in Sabbath has eternal ramifications for our children and for all of us. The second one is this. Inject Sabbath into everyday life. Remember when we said that our bodies need rest, eight hours of sleep, but it needs that deep REM kind of sleep, that we can't string together eight um, one-hour naps during the course of the day and expect to be fully rested. In fact, our bodies would wear down if we did it that way. And the same thing is true with us in our spiritual life. We need that deep REM kind of rest in the presence of our God. And it can't just be limited to an hour or two on Sunday mornings. I would encourage you to get involved in a small group or a Bible study outside of Sunday morning. I would encourage you to spend time in family devotions. Those of you that have children, set up a time right before they go to bed where you sit down, read to them, share the Word of God with them, pray with them. There are so many resources out there, children's books galore and children's Bibles. If you're a couple, spend time with your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or girlfriend during the course of a day. As individuals, dig into God's Word. You can go outside here and there's a portals of prayer on the rack for you. You can go online and Lutheran Hour Ministries has devotions that they will send on your cell phone that you can read any time during the course of the day. LCMS.org has um, different um, resources. And you can find these resources anywhere. So find a good, godly, Bible-centered devotion and spend time with God every day. And number three, be in Sabbath community. One of the things that my wife and I like to do to fill up that 15 minutes or afternoon of free time it's never 15 minutes because it takes that long to get up there. But we love to go on mountain drives. We love to go hiking. We love to, uh, I particularly love to sit at, the, at a lake and with a fishing pole. And there's nothing more beautiful than to look at God's creation up there and just revel in the grandeur and the beauty of what God has created we traveled from here to Chicago. There's beauty between here and there. Hawks flying and eagles. There's so much to see in God's beauty. But you know, God's greatest gifts for spiritual rest take place in community. Because it is here where we can dig into God's word together and learn from one another. It's here when our Lord Jesus comes to us and he says, I want to commune with you. I want to become one with each of you as individuals, with you and you and you and you and you and you. I want to become one with you. And as I become one with you, I'm making you one with one another. 
And here we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses where we can be encouraged and built up and strengthened to carry out our job as we go out into this world alone sometimes. It's here where a little child was brought to baptism and something very individual happens as the Holy Spirit comes into that child and makes that child a child of God. But something very community also happens here where this child is brought into our communion of saints, our holy Christian church that we're all members of, so that that child can not only be a light to us, but we can be lights to that child. Friends, don't forsake the house of God. Worship is a royal waste of time. Sitting at the feet of our king, forgetting about the pressures of this world and understanding that our worth and our significance, our future and our hope are centered in what he has done for us and continues to do for us every time we worship. So if I can encourage you, I'd like to, you to hear God's invitation. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching in his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Amen? Amen. Amen.